and let's pray and praise God for that and get ready to ask God to touch our hearts. Father, I do thank you for Nicole and her faith and her courage in God that I thank you for you, Father, for putting your hands on her and bringing the outcome this way. We know that you always do what's best. We don't always understand, but we know you always do what's best. And in Nicole's life, you've just done something that we easily can understand. And I pray right now that you would just continually put your hand on her and bless her and guide her. And the same passion she has now, I pray you'd magnify and and increase. And God, I pray you'd just unveil things before her that you want her to experience before she does go to be with you. And I pray you'd do the same thing for us. That you put your hand on each one of us and open our eyes to things you want us to experience before we go to meet with you. Because there's not a person in here who has an unlimited amount of time. Our days are numbered, but that's not a bad thing. It's a good one. And I pray that we would live life with passion and love the way we're supposed to in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're talking about the idea that if we were going to live the best life we could ever live, we would live like we're dying. Jesus actually said that's how you're to live. He said, if any man comes after me, let him take up his cross and follow me, uh, and, 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 or let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me, and that's what you and I need to do. The idea of the cross is the idea that we know that any moment we could go. And, and, and by the way, it just seems to me like the news media constantly is letting us know of all the ways we could die. Have you ever noticed that? One week, a cup of coffee could kill you. The next week, you're supposed to drink it. And, and, and there's always this, this disease out there and, and that out there. And, and just recently, I heard of one that was a little surprising to me. Uh, uh, it's actually a disorder. It's been around a while, but it's increasing. And it's actually a serious thing as far as what it could do to somebody. But, but, but when I heard it, I was like, really? And it's, it's called orthorexia nervosa. Orthorexia nervosa, it's as dangerous and actually more deadly than anorexia nervosa. And and so what is orthorexia nervosa? You ready for what it is? It's an intense focus on healthy eating. An intense focus, it really is true. And when I heard that story, I went and read about it and I made a commitment. I'm gonna commit it to you, Crossroads. I am not gonna die of that. (laughs) No way I'm going down to that one, man. Pam walked in the house the other day. I got my double cheeseburger and my chili cheese fries. She said, what are you doing? I said, I'm fighting against orthorexia nervosa. (laughs) You give me a piece of pie, I'm taking that baby on, you know? Walked in the house the other day. I said, woman, get me a chicken pot pie. That orthorexia nervosa is going down, you know? And, uh, you know, and and I don't know about you, but hey, I love in and out more than ever. Fight against orthorexia. And, uh, yeah. But, but it just cracked me up, you know, and, and, and I know there's a serious side, but it just killed me to think there's always something like that out there. But what it should do, even though we can joke about it, what it should do is remind us our time is limited. Now, now again, if you've got the right heart and you know God, that's not a bad thing. As a matter of fact, the psalmist said this in Psalm 90 verse 12. He said, Lord, teach us to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. The, the fact that I know I don't have that long, the fact that I know that my time is, no matter, some of you are younger than I am, and, and I'm on that other side, but you know what, I gotta tell you, is, is all of us should just say, okay, I, knowing that I only have a limited amount of time, need to live it to the fullest. Now, we talked last week that if I'm gonna live to the fullest, what should I do? I should live passionately. I should live life with a capital L, no holding back. I want to climb the heights. I want to travel the roads. I want to make the experiences happen. I want to 
throw myself wholeheartedly into the destiny that God has for me using my gifts for him. I want to share about Jesus. I want to pray like crazy. And, and I want to do it with passion, man. Every ounce of who I am. That's why Solomon in Ecclesiastes 12 said this. He said, whatever your, or Ecclesiastes 9 said this, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. No holding back. And that's how we want to live. But I do want to ask you to think about this because I think we already know this one, but it's worth digging into. If the doctor looked you in the eye and he said, you only have 30 days to live, your time's limited, how would you use that 30 days? I bet money, and I'm just going to bet this, almost everybody in this room has this on their list, and that's called love. We would want to love for 30 days. We would want to love in, 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 with fervency. We'd want to love with intention. We'd want to share in love and loving words and loving moments. And, and I really think that if you understand who God is and you understand what life is and you understand what matters, you'd want to do that. And, and here's where I'm going with it. Even people who are not followers of God, they know the importance of love. Uh, love is, is, is what fires our life up. Uh, just today, I, I happened to walk in on, on two of our, our staff members, and they're both young and single, and one of them was just cheer. She was just like talking so excitedly, and I knew immediately what it was. There's a sound in a girl's voice when it's a guy. And, and of course, being who I am, I went over and listened. And, uh, and, and, and she was just so on fire. And I thought, oh, she's a wonderful girl. And I love that about her. And, and, and I thought, you know, finally that, that's about to happen, it looks like. And, and praise God. And that seems to be a theme. It's the theme of the great plays even of the past. It's the theme of great books. It's the theme of, of movies, right? I mean, the Titanic. Why was the Titanic the biggest selling movie of all time? Is it so we could watch the ship go down? No, it was the love story in it. Even though there was room for both of them on that plank. She killed that guy. Uh, you know, <laughs> she just let him go. Why not move over? Come on. She wasn't that big. I mean, you know, but, but you know, the, the truth of the matter is, is, is love is, 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 is the theme of so many things. Have you thought about how many songs, how many songs are filled with love? And today there's a whole new technology. I, I hear love songs in ways I never thought I would. It's called ringtones. People have these loving ringtones on their phone. And, and usually we choose something that just kind of fits us. And, and recently we found out about how that is. Watch this. All right, I'm really glad you guys are here. And, and I need you guys. Uh, something's happened and it is just driving me crazy. Somebody on staff, either accidentally or on purpose, they took my iPhone. And this happened before. And you guys, I need the iPhone. It's got the pictures of my kids and grandkids. It has emails I've got to return. It's kind of like my life. And it makes it worse because I just got the coolest song ever as a ringtone and, and I want it. And so I need it back right away. So I, I, I want to ask you guys, can you get it for me? Whatever it takes, whatever you have to do, get it for me. And I need it quick and soon. And I want you to know with your diligence, your work ethic, your responsibility, Man, I don't know if there's anybody on staff I trust more than you two. You got it, boss. You can count on us.
first. Lame. those guys I really do but you know why is it a theme have you ever thought about it why is it a theme and the answer is it really is something universally we share in common that love is so important and again it comes out lots of different ways Dave Barry said this he said to judge from the cover of countless women's magazines there are two topics most interesting to women they are number one why men are all disgusting pigs and number two how can I attract a man <laughs> why you know and and here's the point I, I want you to grab is that that God has created us to love and why because he is love and because he loves us and, and when we we pour ourselves into loving moments and really really enhance what true love is it, it becomes incredible and when our life has got that as its main priority and our main direction well you know what it does is it gives our life this this incredible fulfilling uh, meaning to it ken davis is a i got to meet ken a few times he's a, a christian comedian he's an amazing christian speaker but uh, ken really soared in the comedy world and still is and Ken was telling about something that happened when he first started out and his career was taking off and he was getting the big conventions and things like that, that what he, he started dreaming and praying is, God, I want to do like Steve Martin did. I want to be able to take my comedy and move into the movie world and, and I don't know if that's from you or not. And he just began to pray that maybe God would open that door. And then he was contacted by a man who makes industrial films. And he thought, whoa, this could be the step to get me there. And so he got really excited about what it meant. And the guy said, well, I'd like to meet with you and talk with you right away. And he said, well, I'm going to be in Orlando. I'm doing a convention there. And, and if you want to, uh, come down. And so the guy agreed they'd meet by the pool during one of the afternoons. And so he was all excited. Now, when he got there, though, his daughter, his four-year-old daughter, who he just loves, and she loves her dad. She's a daddy's girl. She said, Dad, Dad, you're going to take me to the beach, and Dad, you're going to take me to Disney World. And so she had all these things she wanted to do. And when beach day came, it was the day of his meeting, and, and she's like, Dad, Dad, are we going to the beach? She goes, well, I have a meeting. She goes, no, you were supposed to go to the beach with me. He goes, you know, Mom, I'll take care of you. And then right after our meeting, we'll, we'll head to the beach. And she's like, okay, okay, but hurry, Dad. And she just wanted to be with him so bad. 
Well, he goes down to the pool area and meets the guy. They sit down on some of these lounge kind of things, and they start to talk. While they're doing that, the mom is bringing the girl on purpose, not too close to the dad because she would run for him. And she goes by this little half wall that separates the pool area and the beach. But what happened is some ocean water had gathered over here, and there was seaweed in it, and there was sludge in it, and it was just kind of gross, and, and it hadn't been drained out, and it even kind of smelled before the mom could stop the girl. She's running for it. And she's like, no, no. And bam, she dives right into this just gross, slimy water. And she, the girl jumps up and goes, mommy, it's warm, which isn't a good sign. And uh, so she, and then the girl starts to put the crud all over her. And the mom thought, you know what, it's, she's already in. Let her have fun. And she's like putting it in her hair and putting seaweed on herself and getting green muddy gunk on her. And, and then she turns and goes, mommy, I'm the love monster. <laughs> and she thought, oh, that's so cute. Then she heard her dad's voice. She, she goes over and she peeks up over the wall with green junk dripping from her hair and face. And he turns and sees her and just starts laughing. And she said, Daddy, Daddy, I'm the love monster. I'm the love monster. And she hops over the wall and starts running for him. And she's screaming, I'm the love monster. I'm the love monster. And then she dives and hits him. And the green stuff flies everywhere. And then she starts going, I'm the love monster. I'm going to kill you with kisses of love. And she's kissing him and kissing him and kissing him and kissing him. And he's laughing and laughing and it just thinks it's the funniest thing ever and then the guy he's meeting with looks at him and says could you have her leave till our meeting's done and he looked him in the eye and said man our meeting's done you can go you can go if ken davis found out the next day he had 30 days to live what would have mattered more the hugs and kisses from his little love monster daughter or an opportunity to be in a film. Now, I want you to think about that because I'm not saying we're irresponsible. That's not where I'm going. But I think too often we've missed what life is all about. Uh, sometimes we miss it. We miss that we're not going to get moments back like that with our kids. We miss we're not going to share in times like that with our wives or husbands. We, we miss the, what it means for, to really stop for a second and value a friend or listen to the story of their life. And, and, and when that happens, we're letting go of everything that really matters in life. And I want to say that incredibly important. It's what matters. Have you ever asked this question? Because by the way, I, I ask it all the time. What's our goal? Why, why, okay, why are we here together today? I, I, I've spent hours praying about this, literally. I've spent hours studying to share with what I'm about to share with you. What's the goal that I need to get, not just today, but every single time we gather together? What's the goal of Wednesday night? When Generate Meets, what's the goal of Fuse? What's the goal of our men's ministry, our women's ministries? What's the goal of singles? What is, it in, what is the goal? I want to ask you. Now, now, let's think this through. Uh, is the goal so you could come and learn? Is the goal so that you could come and learn great doctrines? Is the goal so that you could come and learn a lot of knowledge? So you understand the deep doctrines of Scripture and you understand the, the, the Bible inside and out and know the context and, and what's happening in it. Is that the goal? And I want to tell you it's not. 1 Timothy 1.5, look what it says. The goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. The goal is love. You see, I, I can tell you this. God looks at me and says, Chuck, I know how to rate you as a pastor. 
After you've been together with the people that you're sharing with and teaching and instructing, are they more loving? By the way, am I more loving? Uh, the, the fact that we really, really love, that's the question. You see, you know what? Is, is great doctrine's wonderful, and I hope we teach it to you and you learn it, and knowledge is incredible, but the bottom line is without love, it's meaningless. Turn to 1 Corinthians 13. What did Paul say? See, Paul said that. Paul said that, you know what? If you have all the great doctrines and you have all the great knowledge and you don't have love, what are you? A clanging gong and a sounding cymbal. A clanging gong and a sounding cymbal. Look at 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1, and listen to what Paul says. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong and a, clang, a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. Did you catch what he said? He said, if I have all the knowledge and all the mysteries, I can tell you the great depths of who God is, but if I don't have love, here's what he's saying, you're worthless, I'm worthless. We're literally worthless. We've lost all value. God says, you know why? Because it's not the knowledge. Knowledge should feed into being loving. Knowledge should feed into being caring. Knowledge should feed into an intimacy with God and a love and care for others. And, and when we have it, then it has value. But knowledge without that, mysteries without that, doctrine without that is a waste. It's a waste. He goes on in verse 3 and said, even if I give all my possessions to the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. This is huge. You see, everything in life that matters, if you only had a short time to live, it's not about how much Bible knowledge you have. It's not about how much doctrine you know. It's about how much you love. And by the way, then every single day needs to be lived out that way. Now, I want to tell you that I love to joke around. I think you picked that up. And there's a particular joke I tell that I think is hilarious. I tell it all the time. And I got to be honest that nobody else probably thinks it's as funny as I do. And by the way, I got a joke coming later that I'm the only one who's going to like it. But I'm going to tell it anyway. And, uh, uh, but, but, but here's my joke. Are you ready? My joke is this. And I did it just recently to Tim and Kathy Roberts with their little son Caleb. Caleb's two years old. An incredible little guy. And he loves music. Uh, he's so musical. He's like his dad. He wants to hold the microphone. He wants to play on the instruments. He wants to be like Tim. And so I'm, they're telling me this and I'm watching him play like that. And then I unveil my joke. Here's my joke. Ready? I unveil my joke. I say, I'm going to buy him a drum set. <laughs> See, I think that's hilarious. And I laugh, and the parents never do. I did it to Ricky and Talia. They didn't laugh. I did it to Tony and Brianne. No laughter. You know, and, and, and by the way, I'm, I'm, when Liam's old enough, I'm going to tell it to Tim and Jill. <laughs> but I'm going to buy him a drum set. I really am. <laughs> Which I think is hilarious. And, uh, and, 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 and here's the, what's the premise of the joke? Are you ready? The premise of the joke is, if I really do that, then they're not going to have any peace in their home right? I mean, it's going to be annoying. That bang, 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 because little kids never stop. I mean, you would just like, ah, and it would drive you crazy, and, 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 and it wrecks your joy, and it wrecks the peace, and it wrecks the home, just like religion does without love. Now, I, I'm serious here. This is huge. People who are religious but don't understand the relationship, they don't understand the love, they are a clanging gong and a sounding cymbal. And they're annoying. And they rob peace, and they rob joy, and they wreck lives, and they drive people away from God, and they can ruin churches, and they can ruin families. 
And uh, I just am going to get real serious with you. There are people like that here in this church because every church has some. Some churches have almost everybody that way because they've decided that's who they are. I mean, that's their claim to fame, and they're proud of it. Now, they don't say we're annoying. They don't say we're a sounding symbol. Here's what they say. We're the truly committed ones. And they're very quick to point out how bad and wrong everybody else is. They think that being a critic is a great call. They think attacking everybody else is what to do. By the way, did you ever notice the only people Jesus attacked were people like that? And, and it, it just is annoying. I mean, we could be having the greatest day ever, and, and a person who's like that walks up to me, and they're quick to point out, well, I just need to tell you something. I'm not here for those videos, and I'm not here for, for those jokes. Well, I'm here for the meat. And let me tell you something. If you think meat is knowledge, you haven't studied Scripture. Meat is not knowledge. Hebrews 5 tells what the meat is. The meat is the righteousness of God. And the righteousness of God is found in love, peace, and joy. You could say, if you think that, that studying and getting knowledge is meat, you, you don't even have a clue who God is. And, and again, I want you to have the knowledge. I want you to understand the doctrines. We want to teach those things. They're valuable to you if they give birth to love. But if they don't give birth to love, they're a waste and they're meaningless and it's not what it is. And I bump into people all the time like that. They can tell you what they're against. They can attack everybody else. They can demean everybody. And they're just like the Pharisees. They're more righteous than God himself. Did you know that was this Pharisee's problem? They thought they were more righteous than Jesus? And, and people do that all the time. And what do they do? They take this and they use it as a club. They take this and beat people with it. And it's abusive and it's wrong. And by the way, it literally, it literally can be devastating. I'm not, I'm not overemphasizing this. There are literally people today that I bet money you know who will never set foot in a church because their home was a religious home. And the wounds were inflicted deeply. And they said, if that's what it is, I don't want a part of it. I will never go to a church again. I'm sick of how my parents treated me and forced it down my throat. I'm sick of how the church I went to, you know, was so judgmental. And I don't want any, and they, they would almost, I met a guy one time. This is true. He actually believes this, but he literally said, I'd rather go to hell than be in a place like that. And, and I, I just cringe inside because is that what God gave birth to? A home that was that mean? A home that was that legalistic, a home that bound people up. By the way, let me share this with you, and you know it's true. If I really, truly know the truth of God, will it bind me or will it make me free? Jesus said, you'll know the truth and it'll make you what? Free. And if all of a sudden we're taking this and people are being bound, people are having to, to carry huge weights of religion, it hurts. Uh, a woman I know, and I know her well, was raised in a home like that. And um, it took forever to get her to finally come to church. And she finally did open up to God. She gave her life to the Lord. But uh, what happened one day, I'll never forget this, I'm walking by her after a church service and I look at her, I said, are you okay? And she said, Chuck, it's not you. She goes, but there are times you'll use a phrase and I'll think back to my mom and dad and I'll think back to the church that we went to. And it literally sickens me to my stomach. I get nauseous. And, and I know that you don't mean it that way. I know this church is not that way. She goes, but it just hurts. And by the way, the words that are, are said are, are actually, if you understand them correctly, beautiful words. Wonderful words. Even the word repent. Repent. 
is a beautiful word. Think about this. What does repent mean? Does repent mean you're bad or does repent mean you have a choice to come and experience the love of God no matter what you've done? And and when you understand it, it's gorgeous and wonderful. That's who God is. And how that can be taken and twisted and, and turned into something ugly is something only men can do. Because God, even when he talks about the judgment here, is doing it in love in a way to say, don't go through it. Come and know me. Come and be free. Come and be forgiven. And, and, and it's a call out that there's a savior to help us. And, and, and when we don't get that, when we don't get the love behind it, um, it, it hurts. It's a clanging gong and a sounding cymbal. And, and, and I know that in a room this size, there's a lot of you who have lived in homes like that where, where it was anything but beautiful. Uh, recently, Pam and I did something, and um, I am so glad we did it, but let me give you some heads up on it. Uh, uh, next, in about three weeks, we're going to start a series called The Divine Romance. And I'm so excited about it. What we're going to talk about is how you and I can connect to God in deep and intimate ways. I mean, very intimate, very profound ways of experiencing him and, and being in touch with his heart and who he is and letting him love on you. And, and, and I want to teach you these ways. And, and, and so I, I've been planning on it. Well, as I've been studying, there's something that I've known about, but I've never done it. I, I've been a Christian since 1974, and I've never done this till about three or four weeks ago. I've never celebrated Sabbath. And so I, I started studying on what Sabbath is and, and studying on what it isn't, studying what the Word of God teaches and says you do and don't do, uh, studying about the freedom of it. And, and so I'll tell you what, I got so excited we couldn't stand it. And, and to block out a, a Friday sundown to a Saturday uh, a sundown uh, and just be with God in the way that it says, uh, I was thought we're going to try this out. And, and just so you know, let me tell you, I, I'm almost ready to share it with you now because it was... It was literally one of the most beautiful experiences I've ever had with God. It was one of the most wondrous. The time flew. When it was over, it, because we had done it correctly, I was actually sad. Like, oh, and when do we get to do this again? And in our packed schedule, it's hard to put it in. And when I teach it to you, I won't go into the legalism side. I'm going to share the freedom you have in it. But there are certain things you do and don't do. And so we're getting ready for it. One of them is, uh, uh, if you just decide to follow more of the Jewish tradition, uh, uh, Pam, who would be the matriarch of our home, she, we lit three candles, one for the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then just as sundown comes, she does this, the, the idea that the woman is the one who ushers in the presence of God into the home, just as Eve would eventually usher in through her and her line, the Messiah coming to bring life to the world. And, and so we did that. And, and I got to be honest, when Pam and I were going to do the symbolism, we thought, man, we're going to laugh. And, and I saw, we're all, and by the way, if you laugh, you can laugh. It's okay to laugh, you know, and, and just have fun. But, but we didn't. And I'm not saying that, that your experience is going to be the same as mine. But as she did that, um, something changed. And we just started doing the things we're supposed to do while praying over the, the, the bread and the wine and celebrating who's the bread of life and communion and, and then beginning to, to pray. Uh, uh, one of the things, by the way, uh, wives the husband's supposed to do is he's supposed to tell you in a very clear way a very specific way why he loves you uh, uh, by the way that the husband's to do that the wife it doesn't say the wife is supposed to do it back but the husband's not only supposed to do it to the wife he's supposed to do it in front of everybody there and make a big deal about how special you are that's that's actually one of the most important parts of sabbath all having all the relational people in your life there together to celebrate it and and so to, to do that's a very beautiful thing and, and then we prayed over each family member and and, and by all of a sudden we looked up and, and the time is gone i've never had a prayer experience that many hours go that fast and 
And I'm sitting there going, God, this is just incredible. And so anyway, we, we, we shared uh, with everybody uh, uh, about it. Well, one last thing I got to tell you. Um, um, I'll give you a heads up too, because some of the men in the room know it. Uh, according to the, the rabbis, uh, if you're a married couple, it's a sin for you not to be intimate and have sex on the Sabbath. It, it would actually be a command of God too. I know, yeah. So praise God for his commands. It, you know, God's commands are beautiful and wondrous. And guys, I think we should be doers of the word. Ah, but I've got a few guys who run around here going, Sabbath, Sabbath you know. And, uh, and it's true, it's true. And I'll share with you why that is when we teach on it. But get ready for this. We do Sabbath. And we have the most amazing time ever. And I put it out on Facebook and I put it out on Twitter. And I got uh, four uh, strong uh, uh, emails to me that I wasn't ready for. One of them, it just said on the subject line, Sabbath. And I clicked on it. I was like, whoa. Oh, my. And, and here's what happened. All four people share this. They, they all came out of a background where it was legalistic and it just, it was used to abuse them. And when they even saw a word from me saying, we just celebrated Sabbath and it was incredible, they just got so upset. They wrote me, I mean, strong words. And I looked at it, and, and by the way, I didn't get mad. I looked and said, oh, I forgot that, that something as beautiful as the Sabbath, one of the Ten Commandments, one of the great promises of Isaiah 58, one of the things that Jesus said, that, that the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Something so beautiful could be so corrupted. And, and you know what? It's so sad when that occurs. See, here's the thing. True relational intimacy with God that's religious in nature is awesome. But a religion without the love of God is wasteful, hurtful, and worthless. And if I'm going to love and you're going to love, that's what God's called us to. And if you're going to live your life with God the way he wants, you're going to love passionately and you're going to love fervently. And by the way, who, if we're going to love, who are we going to love most? We're going to love God most. Jesus one time was confronted by an attorney and the attorney said, what is the greatest commandment that, that God has? And he said, it's, in, it's that you would love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Matthew chapter 22. And, and then the second is like it, you would love your neighbor as yourself. So what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to love God first and foremost most. You're supposed to literally say, you know what? If I had a month to live, the smartest thing I could do is get right with God. If I had a week to live, the smartest thing I could do is spend great time with him. I, I could tell you for me, this may not be you, but for me, if, if I had one month to live, I would double my quiet times and do more every single day. I mean, I'd be reading verses going, whoa, Lord, this is incredible, and I can't wait for you to tell me what it really means. You know, just a few days I'll be with you, you could tell me. And, uh, you know, and, and I would just love, and by the way, I wouldn't be afraid. But, but I would just want to make sure my love was more focused on God than ever. And a wise person would do that. I have had people find out they're going to die and they come and say, How, what do I do now? Can I become a Christian? Is it too late? It's like, no, it's the best time ever. And, and I've literally led people to the Lord an hour before they died. One man, 30 minutes before he died, I led him to Christ. What a beautiful moment that was. And he, he spent the last 30 minutes sensing the love of a father putting his arms around him. It was incredible. And you know what? You would be right to pour yourself into a love of God. Now, knowing that our time is limited, make sure you do it well. Now, by the way, make sure you do it for First, if you're going to love God, you've got to love him more than anyone or anything. And by the way, even in saying that, I got a feeling, if I got some of you really honest, you'd go, wait a minute, Chuck. I mean, I do want to love God, but more than my kids. Man, I'd give my life for my kids. And I'm telling you, yes, more than your kids. 
More than my husband or wife? Yes, more than your husband or wife. More than girlfriend or boyfriend, more than friends. And you gotta love God more. And, and, and here's why, here's why. Not only does God tell us to, even in the Ten Commandments, Moses comes down with the two tablets. The very first commandment is what? You shall have no other gods before me. Why should you love him most? Here's why. And I, th- I try to get it out in a way that makes sense. It's a little bit complex. If this is my son, Tim, and I love Tim more than I love God, and I spend time with him and share with him and rejoice with him and, and try to pour into his life, there's, a, there's something that's going to happen when I do that. And it happens every single time. And it'll create a dysfunctional relationship. Because as I'm loving him that way, what will eventually occur is I will cease to love him in reality. I'll begin to love the fact that he makes me feel so good when I love him. I'll begin to, 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 to realize, well, you know what, it's, it, when he's good and when he does what I want him to do and he doesn't mess up and he's not disappointing and I love that and, and then when he does mess up, what happens, I become angry and I even become bitter. Why? Because he's ruining my feeling of love. And you know who I'm really loving in that moment? I'm loving me. I'm not loving him. I'm loving me through him because of when I love him it makes me feel good and, and, and after a while I just and I want him to act a certain way so I feel good and I feel love and by the way no person can ever bear that pressure it's wrong to put that kind of pressure on someone else and it pollutes what love really is and God doesn't want you to do that and so like when my son Tim started messing up in seventh grade praise God that I actually love God more than him because then I was able to love Tim unconditionally even though I was concerned about what he was doing my love for him is not going to change because it's not based on how I feel and how, how I get fed from it it's based on how I go to God and God gives me love to pour out on him You see, when you love God first and you love God most, you're going to love everybody else in a pure way. And you're going to love them more and you're going to love them deeper and you're going to be a better parent. You're going to be a better friend, a better partner. Uh, It's going to be everything better about you because you put God first. You see, when you look at the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments were a cure for a sick and dysfunctional society. And that's why when Moses came down and held the two tablets that contained the Ten Commandments, and he held the two tablets and he looked out at a very sick and dysfunctional society, and he said, this is God's cure. What was he saying? He was saying, take two tablets and call me in the morning. (laughs) Okay, that's the bad joke. (laughs) Pam goes, don't tell it. I go, it's funny. She goes, no, it's not. I'm going to tell it anyway. And I did. (laughs) Anyway, um, but it is God's cure. When, when I begin to understand to love correctly and I love God with everything I have and then I turn around and love others, it's, it's the right way to live. And it changes everything. You see, when you and I love the Lord with all our heart, mind, and soul and we turn and love everyone else with the kind of love we would want to have, just pouring it out on them, not on who, what they do to us, but on the fact that I'm going to love them the way God loves me, It changes everything. And by the way, let me tell you what it does. It keeps your life from being a waste. What did did Paul say? He says, when we don't love, our life is a waste. It's nothing. And instead of being nothing, you create a legacy. A legacy that lives on in more ways than anyone can imagine. My dad loved me. I mean, he really loved me. And uh, I think I've shared this before. If I'm driving down Main Street and I turn left on Grand... I remember a, a very real conversation with my dad. And, and as I take a turn, it just comes back. And oh my, do I love that. I love experiencing that. 
And, and, and what happens, you, you start creating these memories with people. We should do it with our kids. We should do it with our friends. We should do it with others. And, and you don't do it to get the memory, but it, it doesn't go away. And it becomes something that it, it brings incredible meaning in ways we can't expect. Uh, a young girl who was a strong Christian, her and her mom were incredibly vibrant for the Lord. Her and her father were very distant from each other. She went away to New York City to start a career. Uh, uh, even though she was paid pretty well and had a very uh, uh, high and high job, uh, one that she was surprised she got so quickly. Uh, uh, living in New York City is incredibly expensive. And so her apartment was in a rundown area and her mom and dad were concerned about that. And it was a shock to her when she was driving up in a taxi cab and looked and her dad was standing out front. And she got out and her stomach turned. She was like, oh my gosh, no. And the reason was her apartment was a disaster. Uh, there was good, the, the kitchen was dirty, the, the, there was clothes on the couch. It, it, was, it was a disaster. And she knew the last thing she wanted to do was let her dad see that. And he stood there with a very kind of stern, serious look on his face. And she said, Dad, why are you here? Is everything okay? And he said, um, I just had to come. I need to talk to you. And she goes, are you okay? And he said, I, I, I am, but I need to share with you. And can we go up? And she thought, no. She 